the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. You and I see all the opportunities for leveraging these tools, and there's many, many people that have not yet seen those opportunities. So what we want to be able to continually infect people with is the possibilities that you can take these tools, learn them very quickly, apply them to specific problems that you solve in your team as an individual. How can you develop new workflows? And then over time, what will happen is the tools are just going to get better and better, and they will be able to answer that question how can I improve this workflow? How can we work together? Here's the kinds of problems that we want to solve together. How do we continually make that more and more effective and creative? Welcome to the Next Insights Podcast, intersecting science, technology, and consciousness. I'm your host, Michael Morrissey, strategic futurist and founder of Next Collabs. This podcast explores the transformative potential of generative AI and its many applications for personal, professional, and business growth. Join us where we celebrate the next insights, those aha moments that shift your point of view and open the door into the next paradigm. You'll hear the latest ideas and thought-provoking conversations with industry experts, authors, thought leaders, equipping you with the strategies to harness the relentless pace of change in the AI era. Whether you're a CEO, leader, or interested in personal growth, this podcast will give you the insights to leverage AI, to amplify human potential, and consciously shape the future for humanity first. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everyone, and welcome, Gary Bowles, to the Next Insights podcast. So excited to have you here. I couldn't think of anyone better to start this podcast series than you, co-founder of Next Collabs, chair of the Future of Work at Singularity University. You have well over a million LinkedIn followers who have actually done your courses and so on. And I thought we could take this opportunity to kind of get our finger on the pulse of what's happening with the future of work. That's one of your areas of expertise. As you know, you and I met about two years ago in our thought leadership community, The Next Collective. And we need your book, The Next Rules of Work, The Mindset, Skill Set, and Tool Set to Lead Your Organization Through Uncertainty. We spent five weeks with you on the Zoom call every single week going deeper and deeper into work and became fast friends at that time. That was during the COVID moment. And then fast forward a few years, late 2022, the AI moment, I call it. I jumped on a plane to San Francisco. I said, Gary, I think we need to co-found this company that sort of seizes the moment. This was a major sort of Cambrian shift, this AI moment. And between the COVID moment where remote work got sort of proof of concept, this works, and really the beginning of distributed teams coupled with the AI moment, let's talk about those two major seismic shifts and what's happening now. How has that changed your thinking and how do we navigate the future and the future of work? So, Michael, first off, it's a privilege to be able to have such great collaboration and an opportunity to work with somebody who's so tremendously creative and such a great assembler of brilliant people from around the world. And yeah, I think, I don't think of myself as a futurist, but uh, since I've been working as chair for the future work with Singularity University now for seven or eight years, and you think about this whole arena of the future of work, you know, it's almost like the universe is conspiring to make sure that I have something new to talk about every few weeks. So the global pandemic was what I call the great reset. 
that just changed the way we, not just the way we acted in terms of work and started the whole, you know, much more distributed work thing, but it also changed the way we thought about it. And it offered lots of people an opportunity to just think very, very differently about work was to them, for their teams, for their organization. And then along comes the AI tsunami, you know, what you call the AI moment. And exactly the same kind of effect is you have these tools now that have the capacity to be able to help you to approach work in completely different ways. And one of the reasons that my book, the subtitle is Mindset, Skillset, and Toolset is we can think about it differently. We can have a completely new mindset, especially in the way that artificial intelligence tools can help us to be able to come at problems in completely unique ways. We develop a new skill set. I don't think any of us would have known what any of the process for whispering to AI was. Artificial intelligence programs and especially large language models and transformers, we wouldn't have known what prompt engineering was until a little over a year ago. And, uh, and then the tool set itself. One of the reasons that Next Collabs is so critical is the tools are changing so rapidly. You know, as you say, it's, it's a Cambrian moment. It's the, I don't think many people, you know, unless you're, you're really a historian, understand just this explosion of innovation, genetic innovation in the Cambrian era that was almost unstoppable. And it, it, they all fueled each other. You know, there's the ecosystems were constantly changing. You know, plant and animal ecosystems were constantly changing. And as each change, they influenced other species to change. And so you just get this explosion of innovation that is very analogous to the AI movement. And so this is our opportunity, is to develop the, that sort of next mindset, uh, skill set, to, to be able to leverage this tool set. Yeah, I think it was so fascinating back in 2021 when we worked with you and your book that, you know, old, new, and next. I mean, I've always been a visionary. I've been involved in a 20-year movement in the U.S., the new urbanism movement and architecture and city design to make it human first rather than auto first kind of neighborhoods and communities, and then kind of pass through that threshold of COVID, where we all got sort of pushed into the cloud. And that really was the beginning of the next collective community, where all these people kind of came together under a North Star, like we're intrinsically aligned. This is almost like the beginning of perhaps the next generation of a company, which starts with intrinsically aligned individuals in a community who instantiate as a company. I mean, this may be part of the, they talk about this relative to Web3, starting as communities. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the potential of surfacing kind of like community, either within an existing company to amplify it, or that companies can become, as uh, Balaji Srinivasan suggests in the network state, they actually start in the cloud and then they become a company. Yeah, absolutely. So in my book, just the way I want people to have a mindset about the way that we as humans interact, especially in the context of work. But uh, if you think about really distilling work down, it's simply you know human skills applied to problems. And how do, how do we sort of organize that? How do we help people to channel their human energies to be able to solve problems and create value for stakeholders? Oh, we call that an organization. Well, that's a very traditional approach that often has structure and hierarchy to it. But if you were to take away that structure and hierarchy and just say, wait a minute, there's a set of problems that need to be solved, and there's a set of humans that can solve those problems. What if this was a very fluid set of problems that was constantly changing? And what if it was a fluid set of humans that was constantly engaging in different ways? And so in my book, I call that a work net. 
it's not a workforce and it's not a network. It's the two of them sort of melded together. And the whole mindset is that it's a bunch of individual humans. They find or agree on certain problems to be solved. They dynamically bind around those problems and they go on to the next one. And if it's a consistent set of problems that keep happening over and over again, oh, well, maybe then they need to build structure around how those humans work together. And then eventually that becomes something that we would call an organization. Now, there's a bunch of inspirational examples that have been around for a while. You know, some of them, uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations that have been enabled by blockchain technologies. There's a number of organizations that think of themselves as leaderless, like War Industries. Gore-Tex has been a manager-less organization since 1976. But the basic premise is a bunch of humans that can all sort of collaborate together solving problems. And more and more, that's going to look like a working ad. And that's you know, what you've done with Nextel Labs is a perfect example. It's an amazing group of innovative people. They dynamically bind around problems. They identify opportunities. And is it an organization? No, it doesn't look like any traditional organization. But it's an extraordinarily effective way for people to be able to collaborate together if you have an operating system that is either, you know, there's somebody like you that is able to lead and sort of knit people together or, you know, this technology or process that allows them to function as a community. Uh, you know, use the word that resonates with me because you know, community is essentially a group of people that all are defined by a common. There's, there's some reason that they are collaborating together. And so I believe that the model for the future organization is community. I've written extensively about this. I've lectured about it. I really believe that we are going to evolve into these models where the common purpose, the value that the group is creating together will become more and more of the driver. And that's going to look more and more like how we think about community. Communities is such a powerful concept. For me, it was always something that was externalized. I would design communities, you know, villages, towns, and cities, and how to create that third space, you know, whether it's the corner store, the cafe, the live workspace, you know, the public square. And in many ways, as we move to kind of like the surfacing of community within an existing organization or a company starts as a community, I'm starting to cast my mind into that space of how do I or how do we kind of shape it so that we get more of that sort of third space experience of super collaborative experiences with our teams, short of meeting in the 3D. And we could talk about that next, how important that is. But before we go there, I mean, you know, Elon talked about the idea of creating a sort of civic square in the cloud with Twitter or X. And I think at a high level, I really believe that's some of the work that needs to be done. We need to think about how do we find this almost like fidgetal between physical and digital um, third space that really enhances our ability to connect. Zoom has done an amazing job. When you cannot believe that Zoom really didn't exist for most of us pre-pandemic, and then fully, we just super connected. And I think AI tools actually help a lot, like Miro and other AI tools that really start to kind of take collaboration to the next level. Let's talk about collaboration in the cloud and the idea of like enhanced third spaces. So 
I think one thing is it's helpful when we think about the ways that humans use their skills to solve problems, and then we group together as groups of individuals. You know, we often call those teams, and if it scales, it's you know, we can call it a community. The basic premise is that there are common interests, there's common activities, there's common processes to be able to solve different problems. The opportunity for people like Elon Musk and Twitter now X is to build a platform where people can self-select and self-organize around the things that interest them, around the activities that they're performing. Good news is done well where there are there's an operating system that humans treat each other with some level of decorum and care. Those can build platforms where people can come together and do amazing things, share information, solve problems, learn. Uh, the old CompuServe and America Online forum used to operate like that. They were very much like Twitter or X and in that people could post messages. And if people got out of line, they stopped following the community standards, there would be moderators who would say, no, 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 let's all behave. The challenge for Twitter and X is that it doesn't have any of those guardrails. And so the result is that you get, unfortunately, the dynamics that allow certain voices to overwhelm other voices. And so they can reflect the best of humans, but they can also reflect the worst. So what's really important, I think, is for us to have this mindset that each of us has common goals, we've got common activities we want to perform. And then what happens ideally is you, you're an architect, you know what it is to bring people together in a physical space. And we can think of that process of being in a physical space as having a certain amount of friction around. Because we all went through the effort to move our bodies through, as you say, the 3D, the real world, and all be at a physical place, there's now friction. We can't easily go other places. We're physically here. Well, what happens with the digital is almost zero friction. So long as I've got internet access and the right types of technology, so friction has gone away. There is, a, I think, a dynamic blend of the two that we just haven't yet cracked the code on that allows us to context so if I have somebody here in person with me and I've got somebody that I'm dealing with digitally and they're in real time and I've got others I'm dealing with in digitally and they're not in real time, they're not present at this moment, all of those are different contexts that we switch constantly. When we do it physically, I have to go from one place to another. When we do it digitally, I can quite easily you know, reconnect in different contexts. And so I think we're on the edge of cracking that code. I think it's hard. Because we want to keep, like so many technologies, taking the way that we interact in one way and apply it to the new way. When TV first appeared, people read radio scripts to the TV because that's what they knew was coming from radio. And we tend to do the same thing when it comes to a lot of the ways we interact physically. And then we want to apply those to the digital. I think we're still figuring a lot of that out. but we're at this amazing time where it's likely that the AI toolset is going to help to power a lot of it. And we might find that those tools will allow us to be able to be present in ways, even when we're not, that we can still interact, that we can still gather information from people. And the context, the environment in which we interact, 
could be much more adaptive to our own style. You might be seeing me in a forest because that's sort of you know the way that you picture what I'm doing, and I might see you in an urban setting with amazing architecture around you. And increasingly, the tools will be more flexible to allow us to have that kind of context. Yeah, I love that idea of context switching or shifting. And you know, in the inevitable, Kevin Kelly, this is like 2016, kind of wrote about the idea of the phase transition that. That's what we're going through from fixed to flow, like on a macro level. Everything's becoming a flow. A book is a wiki. We're going through into that sort of fidgetal intermixing of context switching, right? Really, it's a kind of a fascinating, I think what makes it very, very unique right now, unlike, let's say, the Renaissance, which in the 19th century, by the way, they kind of post-rationally said that was the Renaissance period. They didn't know what was happening in real time. The thing that's very different about this moment is that we are aware this is happening. We are feeling the disruption. And so what I'm thinking is, why don't we do mindset, skill set, and tool set and just dial it to all three plus AI? And what does that look like? What's the update? Because your book, I believe, was written in 2019. And the world has changed twice over in such a seismic way. You know, what does mindset plus AI look like? And let me just give a little bit of context. Because last quarter in 2023, we hosted Charlie and Lee, your colleague and also a strategic partner with Next Collabs, and her book, The Disruption Mindset, which I believe was written in 2018. We spent a couple of episodes in our thought leadership community with her and yourself, and you guys did a panel discussion around this topic. And disruption related to her book was like a one-time thing that happened, let's say, Netflix, from something that delivered in a box to your house to a two-year disruption to become a digital streamer, right? And that's almost like within the arc of a company, that'll happen once, we got this. Or you learn a tool set like Photoshop once, and you've got it for 20 years. But fast forward to today, the updates are happening continuously. And so to me, the update to Charlene's title of her book should be more like continuous disruption or dynamical change, which happens to be the theme for 2024 in our thought leadership community, dynamical change. So relative to mindset plus AI, what's your latest thinking and the latest update? So first off, Michael, you're exactly right. To help people to get a mental image of the times that we're going through as a show series of wave, right? And they're not just technological, they're also economical and, and societal, right? So we had this Global recession beginning in 2008. Even before that, we had 9/11. We've had the global pandemic, and then the AI tsunami. And you know, Nassim Taleb calls these black swan events. And the insight, the takeaway from Nassim's work is not that we know what the next black swan event will be. It's just that we know there will be. So you're right. The disruption is where some kind of event or wave happens and has massive ripple effects. And I typically talk about the pace and the scale of those impacts, right? It's faster than it was in the past. Two million people were using ChatGPT in about a month from its release. And the scale, it's lots and lots of people are affected. So this is what's happening over and over again with these waves of disruption. So what we need to have, I think, is a different mindset. We need to have, a, as Charlie says, a disruption mindset. This is not the new normal, as, as you and I are fond of saying. It's the next normal. <laughs> you know, it's always what's coming next. So we have to have this mindset that we need to continually adapt. 
And so mindset plus AI, if what we as individuals are fueled by is a growth mindset, as Dr. Carol Bweck says, then mindset plus AI should be where we have the ability to leverage tools to be able to solve problems in completely new ways. We can not think of ourselves as simply mired in the way that we've done things in the past. And we can go through completely different process for solving problems. Now, in the past, we might have said we wanted to do that, but it was very, very hard to be able to go through the behavioral change, create new habits, and that sort of thing. The mindset plus AI, as far as I'm concerned, is no, no, no. We can be flexible. We can be adaptable. And we can actually leverage the tools to help us to do that. You can literally be asking, what are the tools? How can I be more flexible in my daily work? Here is my coming week's activity. How do I prioritize that to be able to focus on the things I care the most about? That's what a mindset plus AI does. It says, how can I apply these tools so that I can open the aperture? I can do things in different ways. I can change my own activities and behaviors. And I think this is especially inspirational for people who lead teams, who lead organizations, because overwhelming. There's so many different things, so many different priorities, and these tools can help to distill the mindset that you need to be able to focus on what is most important to do next. An idea just occurred to me, you know, we talk about mindset and we just think about our own mindset, but in a sense, we're getting kind of like an additional mindset, a mindset partner, if you will, with personal AI. That's something that most of us, Sullivan, in his book, The Coming Wave, and founder of Inflection.ai, and my favorite personal AI at the moment that I use daily, Pi, P-I. And you can find it, by the way, on Inflection.ai. If you go to the App Store and you'll find it there, highly recommend trying it on, ready for prime time. In his mind, personal AI is like 18 months out. It will be ubiquitous. Every phone will have it. What about that aspect? Like, imagine... I think you and I have talked about the sort of architecture of the next organization powered by AI and that there will be kind of vertical automations and then horizontally augmenting the workforce plus AI. But then there's a kind of top layer that we haven't fully explored yet, but it could be the greatest unlock where every single employee has a personal AI as well, and they may have likely autonomous agents that actually can do a lot of scheduling and a lot of these things for you. I mean, have you cast your mind to what are the implications of that sort of stack, those three layers all coming together almost at once within this calendar year, potentially? So absolutely. So first off, I think there's tremendously inspirational opportunities that tools provide. And we are in very early days. I think it's important for us to point out the typical way that these waves of adoption happen is first off, it's a separate thing. So we have a TAPPT or a Claude. Then it's infused into things that we do. So now it's a BARD or it's infused into search or into our daily productivity application. And then the third stage is typically, it's just part of the woodwork. We don't even question whether or not you have a digital distraction device that we all walk around with. You wouldn't leave the house without, right? And uh, it just is infused into your life and your daily activities. And so that stack that you were talking about, what is going to increasingly fuel the top layers of the stack and the ubiquity the technology will infuse these lives is 
First, yes, each of us will be able to leverage these tools and those tools become more and more personal. That's, that's been the trend for technology since you know, the dawn of personal computing and it's accelerating. And so we will all have the opportunity to have these tools that will help to manage our daily schedules, to be able to help us to make sure that we're, you know, coming at problems, solving problems in new ways, to be able to remember things that we needed to make sure that we were remembering. Those tools are going to become more and more personalized and more and more ubiquitous. Second is that they will be interacting more. And so it isn't just that you will have this personal digital assistant, which is what we used to call the the earlier phases of this technology, not just that you'll have that personal digital assistant, but they will be interacting with other personal digital assistants. And software essentially is going to be communicating with software. And so you'll literally have something pop up on your calendar where you had mentioned to a friend, yeah, we should get together soon with a couple of other friends. And all of those personal digital assistants will all work together, collaborate to be able to figure out what that timing might be and where you might most want to go. And then it's just going to pair on your calendar. And, uh, and it'll call a self-driving flying car to take you there. So all of those are likely results of these technologies. The next leap forward is going to be where those technologies are all interacting. And then there's a need for new technologies to be able to solve certain problems. And the technologies themselves will either find and acquire or develop those technologies. And so just think of that sort of flexibility where a large language model is essentially creating another large language model to solve a problem that you're working on and you didn't even have to go find it or buy it. It simply, you know, created that software and all of that is infused into the way that you perform your daily activity. So yeah, we're still in early days, but it's tremendously inspirational as to how all of that can potentially transform. On skill set plus AI. I guess the way I see this evolving, the unlock moment, the heavy lift, AI can do the heavy lift for many of the things that across all disciplines, primarily white collar, (laughs) a lot of those activities can be handled by AI, the heavy lift. And then that sort of leaves the 20%, I think, for the promise that perhaps skill set is less the old worlds of work where you had to basically really dig deep and understand a set of skills and develop those set of skills, do a thousand hours, all those things. Perhaps our role now kind of moves up and the skill set that we need to develop is become the curator to make good choices, to sequence these things together. It's not about learning one app. It's about almost looking at how do I create novel workflows? It's almost like we get to zoom out almost as a skill set. What are your thoughts around that? So first off, again, I think it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant framing for it because, again, oversimplifying, but human skills applied to problems. If we want to solve certain problems and we needed a certain level of skill set, a certain level of proficiency, a certain level of training, and so on, this newer generation that is coming in didn't know a world without a digital distracting device. They didn't know a world without technology infused into what they do. And in so many professions where you needed to go through a very long training process to be able to even have a hope of touching some of the advanced technologies that you might use, you know, you would be an apprentice working in a photography shop and you wouldn't get to work with some of the expensive equipment for years before you learn these skills. And now you can create, you know, amazing, stunning photographs in a heartbeat. And so, 
what's very likely is we're going to have more and more very flexible tools that will do a number of different things. It will allow us to be able to understand our own skills much more rapidly, allow us to develop new skills much more rapidly, hopefully to unlearn processes that we don't need to do anymore and to learn new ones, do collaborative learning with each other much more rapidly. And then, yes, there are certain kinds of problems to be solved where in the past, we might have decided, oh, I need to go off and get a whole bunch of training. I need to go off and get a four-year degree in agriculture to be able to understand how it is that autonomous tractors are working in field. And then you realize, well, no, there's certain problems that I could solve. I don't need to go get all of that training. I can instead use the tools. I can be the curator of tools to solve problems without needing to have that depth. What is a challenge and an opportunity is that the tools let us sort of skate by at a very high level. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be great problem solvers in a lot of domains. I certainly don't want my brain surgeon to have just watched a YouTube video and walk into the operating. So mastery, I mean, think of you know all the years that you spent in understanding architecture. And it's not just understanding the mechanics of how you design and build a building. It's the ethos. It's the history. It's, you know, there's so much depth that you had. And I, if I had a choice between collaborating with you and collaborating with somebody who had just watched a YouTube video or had a, an architecture AI helping them design a building, I'm going to choose Michael every time. And so that's the difference between that sort of skimming the surface, solving a problem. Sure, plenty of problems are like that, but there's a whole bunch of problems that require mastery and commitment and depth of people who are really, really facile in that particular arena. And so I think that's one of the, you know, our challenges and opportunities. How do we determine how much depth we each as individuals need with the problems that we're focusing on? And how much mastery do we need to develop to really be good at solving those? I love that. It seems again that the, you know, eternal truth, that sort of mastery, the thousand hours, really, you know, the dedication to your craft. And we just happen to be, you know, generationally in a perfect place where we have all that, but then we get to skate on the surface and enjoy the huge unlock moment with AI. We could, on another call, another discussion, we should talk about the next generation emerging, Gen Z, et cetera, and how they manage this moment where they don't necessarily have to develop mastery. They're working with these tools right out of the box. But let's talk about that on another episode. Let's finish off with tool sets. My current thinking around tool sets, you know, within the last year, obviously, there's been so many tools that have been either developed new or like a ChatGPT for, and recently integrations with Dolly 3 and then GPTs. And what's starting to emerge here is it's really almost like how you put tools together into flows is where there's the greatest novelty and the kind of like the current state of play. Prompt engineering a year ago was a thing. I would say it's sort of dissolving. And now it's about your capacity to start to link them together in a meaningful way for your business or individually. I mean, what are your thoughts around tool sets plus AI? So I think one of the things that's important for our listeners is to be sort of getting the landscape of work and of problems to be solved. And uh, we're talking about uh, a subset of work, a very important subset of work, but a subset of work that can be fueled by these technologies. 
most economies, maybe 40% of jobs have some you know, deeply information-based and therefore you know, potentially digital component. And about 60% of jobs kind of have to be done in person. And, and so we're talking about you know, a subset of jobs. And then we're talking about applying tools to be able to make for more effective workflows. And a workflow is nothing but a series of steps. There are tasks, activities that you would typically perform. And in the past, you would perform those tasks. You would build those workflows by trial and error often or by training. And then you would repeat those flows over and over again. And along comes the AI tool set. And you can literally use the tools to ask you, how could I redo this workflow? Like, how could I get the problem solved to get the output that I'm looking for? And how do I use my skills to be able to either follow the most effective path, that is the shortest number of steps, the quickest way to get a result, or the most creative path? How do I do that in ways where I can be collaborating with other people and make sure that I'm opening the aperture and getting a ton of really amazing ideas to be able to get completely new approaches to solving problems? And so the opportunity with the tool set, and because it's a constantly changing tool set, that's one of the reasons that it's so challenging for many people. We, you and I, are immersed in these tools. We use them all the time. We're collaborating with all these amazing people that use them all the time. There are people, lots and lots of people, that don't even know what they are, never experimented with them. And so uh, Bruce Sterling, the science fiction writer, has a great line, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. You and I see all the opportunities for leveraging these tools, and there's many, many people that have not yet seen those opportunities. So what we want to be able to continually infect people with is the possibilities that you can take these tools, learn them very quickly, apply them to specific problems that you solve in your team as an individual. How can you develop new workflows? And then over time, what will happen is the tools are just going to get better and better, and they will be able to answer that question, the tool, in asking, how can I improve this workflow? How can we work together? Here's the kinds of outputs and and problems that we want to solve together. How do we continually make that more and more effective and creative? Yeah, I remember the shift from analog to digital with the Creative Suite and Adobe's Creative Suite at the time and the, something like Photoshop free transform tool. Like it's just like magic, right? You just cannot do that with a pencil, a paintbrush and an eraser. So at first, when I went through that threshold to learn that new set of tools, it took about two years to learn the Creative Suite from InDesign, Illustrator. Photoshop. But by the time that two-year process was done, it was Michael, you know, 2.0, I called myself at that time. Now we're going to Michael 3.0 and we're going through that phase transition. It's an exciting moment. It's funny you should mention that. So with me, it was, I actually learned from my father's book artist. My father was an author and I apprenticed myself when I was 20 to to his uh, paste up and layout artist. And I learned to paste up book physically using wax paper and that sort of thing. And then a couple of years later, as I started to work in Silicon Valley, a friend of mine said, wait a minute, I have this beta version of something that's called Ventura Publisher. And he sat me down and he showed me on a computer screen, everything that I did with pasting up a book by hand, you could do on a PC. Mind blown. Like, (laughs) how is that possible? Right. And you think of all the workflows, all the processes. Like once you, you know, you burnish down that page, you're not going to change a thing. Like you, you're, you're done. And then here you could constantly change the design of a page. 
just mind-blowing to think of all the possibilities that then were available to you. And I think we're at exactly the same, that, that, that Cambrian inflection point with the AI tool. Yeah, sort of, again, 3.0. And in a way, like, I think we've got that sort of wisdom piece with experience that we've already gone through that analog to digital disruptive moment. And you knew it was a two-year process. Otherwise, you're going to have your lunch eaten. You're, you're going to get Ubered. So you got You have to do it. And here we are now in real time. We know we have to adapt to this. But I think what's different is it's continuous updates, like weekly. So that's the new kind of update, I think, in this kind of process of adaption. These tools, I think, and just to kind of finish up on the tool set, what I'm noticing in my own world are colleagues who never thought they would ever be able to draw anything. They do not see themselves as artists, designers, image makers. And suddenly, you know, AI image generation was a thing with a few words or a carry-on of a conversation with ChatGPT4 and you ask it to make an image, with Dolly 3, of what you just discussed or what you just wrote and starts outpicturing your ideas. And suddenly these colleagues who were data nerds are suddenly producing images to sort of supplement their data knowledge and share it with colleagues. And I think this is where these tool sets, kind of like that Photoshop moment I described earlier, is sort of like an almost using Peter Diamantis's term, auto-magical kind of quality, right? It's like magic. And in fact, it's a starburst. I think that's what it's called, the icon for AI that we see, sparkles, or I think that's what it is. And it's just that sense that this is greater than just a kind of like a Sisyphean push. This goes to the next level. It's a huge unlock. It's an aha moment. And, and I'll right? tell you one of the reasons that I think it is, it's so pivotal, Michael, is my experience. So I actually was a young doodler and I ended up doing some book illustration and cartooning and that sort of thing. And I was very lucky because at a young age, I got encouragement from a lot of people. And what happens for so many of us is our education systems around the world leech creativity out of, as uh, Sir Ken Robinson has so famously said. And what ends up happening for many of us when we are trying to do anything artistic is we have something in our head and then we go put it on paper and it doesn't look like we thought it would or should. And others look at it and they don't necessarily encourage us. And so we lose that function from very early on when virtually every kid on the planet should be an artist in some way. It should be something that they feel like they can do. And I think what so many of the AI tools have done is unlock that step that stopped so many young creators, which is I have a thought in my head. I want to see it on paper, on screen. I can prompt to get it or I can ask to get it. And it's close enough. And then I can keep changing it. And what that does is it changes that reward loop which used to be broken. I didn't get what I wanted, so I stopped, or somebody told me I was a horrible artist and I never did it again. Now that facet of creativity of each of we can continually explore. And to me, that's just tremendously inspirational. Yeah, just to add to that, like I think the way, again, the old rules of work, we could almost use, I think the AI moment, you could use it as the before AI and after AI. And I think that's what's really fun about what we can do together with Next Cool Labs is we get to go to organizations and go, before and after are like this close. It's happening right now. <laughs> so 
we get to play with before and after in real time in this moment. And we think about before and the kind of heavy lift or the friction that you're describing, which just, you know, you hit the friction, the overwhelm, and then you don't go there. But also that in the before AI, in the old rules of work, the factory model that we've been working with, you know, it's all about optimization, productivity, and that you go to school for one thing and you're there your entire life. Don't you dare go out of your lane. If you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer for life. That's it. It's only one choice. And then, you know, dig a hole and retire. And what I think is happening now, what is incumbent upon all of us and what is, I think, the biggest opportunity, that's why I think this is a renaissance moment, is that within us, we contain multitudes. We have these other capacities, these passions, these interests, these things that we park on the weekend and we don't do them at work because no one really wants to know. But suddenly, all of us could be writers. All of us could be artists. This unlocks, I think, intrinsically more about who we are, our potential. This is our tagline at Next Collabs, amplifying human potential. Let's bring this to a conclusion around that idea of, you know, just the gravity of this moment. So one of the images that people seem to resonate with when I'm lecturing, I, I show a picture of an iceberg. I say to each of us, we have this thin layer of our own skills, our own interests, you know, things that we remember that drive our passions or interests. And above the waterline, that's what's visible to us. But because of some unique facets of our human cognition, which Dr. Evian Gordon would be able to geek out on, there's all of this human capacity below the waterline that is invisible. Our skills, our potential, our, you know, there's so many different aspects of us that are hidden to us. And what I think the tool set has the potential help catalyze is first off for us to see more of what's below the waterline. I had no idea I could be so creative. I just was missing some tool that could help me to envision or to be able to synthesize what I was trying to do. I could iterate because that is so important for us. We are trial and error machines. That's what we do as humans. We, we are born with very, very few skills. And so what happens is we go through life is we develop certain skills, but we hit these road bumps and we don't develop those skills. We stop at certain points because we think it's too hard. And again, the tool set has the capacity to help us to develop those skills that are below the waterline, all this human potential that they can help. And so that's what I hope people become inspired with is you might have thought you couldn't come up with that image. You might have thought you couldn't write that piece. You might have thought you couldn't suggest what kind of music you would most like to hear and actually have it come out the other end and, and something that you would want to listen to. All of those are now possible with the AI toolset. So fascinating. That's like a, a moment of self-discovery, but it's more of a collective experience. Transcending, in a sense, your conditioned self, right? Your family of origin the school you went to, the small pond you lived in. Now we're globally connected. And so many of these things that have been a kind of lock on our box, suddenly the, you know, the lid of the box has been opened up. This is a really exciting kind of moment. Really appreciate your time discussing this particular kind of experience that we're all in at the same time. It's like we're sharing with each other what's going on in real time as this is evolving. I think on a future episode, in the near future, let's talk about future of jobs and AI, because I think that one's top of mind with everyone. 
Uh, maybe give us a little preview of your current thinking on this, probably like within the last month, the first month of 2024, most of the articles out there are around this subject, the problem of automating away jobs or augmenting you know, with AI and superpowering your workforce. What are your latest thinking? So absolutely. So what we saw, I think I'd say, you know, pretty recent insight. I actually wrote about this about a year ago in the uh, my LinkedIn newsletter series on AI. And I would say, you know, the insight is that it's been reinforced by the research. So I'm, you know, confirmation bias. It's, it's, I'm glad that the research is reaffirming it. People are adopting the AI tools slower than was discussed a little less than a year ago in many enterprises because they don't understand them as well and they don't know what kinds of workflows they can be applied to. There are certain kinds of work that are immediately being transformed, uh, such as call center work and that sort of thing. And that will change those jobs quite dramatically. But I think one of the things I would encourage people to take away is there is plenty of opportunity to still go from zero and to getting up to speed on the tools because we're just not yet seeing really massive transformation of a lot of work roles because a lot of people are not yet understanding exactly how they could be applied most effectively. And so I think that just means there is, you know, back to what's below the waterline, there is huge potential in many organizations and for many people to be able to leverage this tool set. And because it's changing so rapidly, jumping into the pool at any point, you're going to be able to get up to speed pretty quickly. And so that's what I would encourage people to be thinking about is how could work roles be transformed? And how could you apply this in your own work, in your work with your team, in your organization? And how can you do that in ways that help people to be able to solve problems more effectively? Recent insight that I've had around language lexicon, as we describe this to colleagues, to organizations and companies and the C-suite, I've been using the word augmenting your workforce and superpowering your workforce if you will. That's the good news story with AI tool sets, in a sense, off the shelf. It doesn't require a big investment. It's just beginning to slowly integrate these tool sets into you know, your everyday routines. But someone had mentioned to me that augment tends to constellate almost like the fear natively within us with, let's say, metaphors of cyborgs and so on. And you can see where language is incredibly important right now to find the right language to help. I mean, I think our job is we are like the, the Sherpas to lead you through the sort of threshold of before AI into this new, I call it the emergent era of continuous change, continuous updates, kind of an explosion of creativity and human potential. Taking a quick break from this week's episode to tell you how to get even more free insights on AI, science, technology, and consciousness delivered straight to your inbox. Sign up for the next Collabs newsletter, where we unpack the latest in AI every Wednesday. When you subscribe, you get the insights from myself, Gary Bowles, and our team of experts at Next Collabs. We're sharing what we're discussing, thinking, and reading weekly in the world of AI. Why join? We're not about filler. We strive to offer high-value content to keep you on the leading edge of the AI era. We have our finger on the pulse and want to share that with you and keep you posted on our free panel discussions and events. It's your weekly touch point to staying ahead of the curve. Click the link below in the show notes and sign up for the next Collabs newsletter. Now, back to the episode. 
Okay, welcome back. So we were just finishing the lexicon piece around augment versus amplify versus enhance. And for me, that was an insight that someone brought to my attention earlier this week. And then we ended up having an hour-long conversation on Friday AI in our community around this particular subject about the lexicon, the words we use, and to be very careful to make it more human-centric rather than constellating people that this is about cyber, it's about automation, taking away my jobs. I mean, we got to be very, very, very mindful that you know our job as the Sherpas from pre-AI to the emergent era, that we use language that is inviting as opposed to creating a sense of fear. I think that's a big part of our job. We're going to host your good friend, John Hagel III, in March with his new book, The Journey Beyond Fear, where he did a very, very big survey of Fortune 500 CEOs. And what he found across the board is all of them are in a state of fear about the next quarter, stuck in short-termism. And he thinks the next generation of strategy consulting has to be fear first. Like, how do you navigate that? Now we're moving to this period where it's continuous updates and change. So to kind of segue from that, that idea of the lexicon and choosing our words carefully, words are powerful. The last part of this podcast, this is the first episode, so 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 great to be with you on the first one. And we will be touching with you, I think, every quarter on another sort of topic that's top of mind right now. I think the next one will definitely be the future of work and jobs plus AI. But we ask our guests about an insight that they've had in the last, even it could have been this morning, could have been this past week, could have been this month, that when you pass through that threshold, you have a realization moment, that idea is so strong that you can no longer go back, that it just kind of opened you to a new way of thinking about the future. Anything like that come up on your radar? So one of the things that to me is, is an opportunity in this era. So first off, you're exactly right. The language that we use is very, very important. We need to be thinking Maybe augmentation makes people a little nervous you know, with cyborg stuff. So maybe it's enhancement, maybe it's empowerment. But I think one of the greatest opportunities that I've seen is for people to be able to think of ways to apply some of the tools in their own personal lives, even if their work is not fueled by the tool. There's a lot of times where each of us as individuals encounter problems in our lives. When, if you lead a team, you often wonder, are you communicating most effectively? If you are trying to solve problems you've never encountered before, are you really opening the aperture enough? And I've just heard a number of very inspirational examples just recently where people stumbled onto the tool. You know, one example is you know, my father wrote a Japanese book, and one of the most challenging parts of a career change can often be. Once you understand your own skills, how do you then synthesize all that information about yourself to come up with ideas for different kinds of work that you might do? Several people have used Claude and ChatGPT and tossed all that information about themselves into the tool and come back with all these amazing ideas for different kinds of work. And even if you're not going to explore all those different avenues, oh my God, <laughs> you have all these possibilities that have opened up for you because that's what's so important for each of right, is that we feel that there's a range of possibilities. And so that's something I don't think we're going to go back from. You can't close that box, right? We're all at this point now where I say over and over again, you know, with that iceberg, 
to be able to look below the waterline, understand more about ourselves. I mean, think about the gift to a kid, a teenager, who could have all this information about the kinds of problems they like to solve and then have all these ideas, options that they might do for their future work. That's transformation. I want every person on the planet to be able to have that opportunity to be able to continually understand how they could be applying their skills and other attributes to solving new problems. I love that. It just occurred to me, you know, while you're describing that, that in effect, AI is the great recombinator. And it is almost like an insights maker. You know, take a jumble of ideas, put them into ChatGPT4 and say, you know, mix this up and smooth it out for me. And all of a sudden, like, oh, my gosh, I just got an insight. Like, you really pulled it together in a way that actually crystallized my thoughts or gave me the next idea. And often synthesizing from disparate sources, because that's really where so many of the breakthrough insights can come from. I just love that idea. Beautiful way to conclude our first episode. Thank you so much, Gary. And where can we find you? on the internet. I understand you've got another book in the works. You're thinking about another book. This is what I saw on LinkedIn this morning. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. So I'm easiest to find on LinkedIn. I'm sort of G-Bowles, G-B-O-L-L-E-S everywhere, gbowles.com. But I've got LinkedIn newsletter. And you had mentioned the courses. I've got you know, like 1.4 million people have taken my courses on LinkedIn. And I've said you know, consistently, that the future of work is inseparable from the future of learning and education. And that each of us, what we've done is we've, we've followed through a very, you know, sort of industrial era education model. And we have the opportunity as with the great reset of work and with AI fueled work, we have an incredible range of opportunities to be able to completely redefine what learning is and how it can function both for each of us as individuals and then in the context of our institution. So, that's the next phase that I'm, I'm passionate about. I love it. Looking forward to that. And that's to be continued. I think that's another episode that we need to get on. Thanks so much, Gary, for your time and all the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Insights podcast. If you enjoy this episode, take a screenshot and share it with a friend. And if you really love the podcast, head over to wherever you're listening and leave a rating or a review. This helps our show get in front of more people interested in shaping the future of science, technology, and consciousness. Finally, to receive even more insights on what we're discussing, thinking, and reading at Next Collabs, sign up for our weekly newsletter by clicking the link in the show notes. I'll talk to you next week, but until then, consciously embrace disruption, my friends. <laughs>